0: A couple of years ago, I took a photography class and there were only four of us in the class and the teacher, so there was a lot of personal attention. I was the least experienced of all the students and I had the least expensive equipment as well. (laughs) I felt a little out of my league when I pulled up at the beach at 4.30 a.m. and saw that the others were unloading gigantic cameras and lenses and tripods that made mine look like I purchased it at Target, which now that I think of it, maybe I did. What drew me to this class was the subject matter we were photographing. I loved the beach and the idea of capturing the light as the sun came over the horizon was just really captivating to me, and it didn't disappoint. Despite my lack of experience and unprofessional equipment, my photography class turned out to be one of the coolest things I have done, ever, truly. You've heard the expression, you've got to fake it to make it, right? Well, being an actress, may have helped me with that a little. I pretended to myself that I knew what I was doing and doggone it if I didn't get some of the best photos that gorgeous morning as the sun rose. The teacher was very patient with me and super super encouraging. She talked me through f-stops and the elusive ISO settings that I had no idea what I was doing prior to that and she challenged me to take my DSLR camera off the automatic setting for just this time. Now there's nothing wrong with those automatic settings. I mean, we can get great photos now with with our cameras on automatic settings, and and of course I'm right back there now. But for that morning, I was open to receive the guidance from that master teacher as she helped me gain confidence and learn some new things. But the experience was so much more than just learning a few new skills. What I learned that morning was far more eye-opening. I didn't get it right away though. As we started photographing the beach, the sky, and the waves that morning, I developed a new respect for light and the changes in perception it has to offer. As the sun began to rise, the light changed with literally every shot I took, and we took shots about every 30 seconds or so, and I could tell I was getting some really great shots. It wasn't until we got back to the teacher's beach house, though, that I was able to see the magic we were able to capture that morning. As the sun rose over the horizon, the subtle shifts in the light created colors like I've never seen. Vivid blues and oranges and purples kind of lined up above the water that morning and gave us a splendid show to preserve with our cameras. As the light grew brighter and brighter and higher and higher, we were able to see differently and with more clarity. It was a beautiful metaphor. As we start 2015, I am inspired to shine some light on some things that maybe could use a little bit of a new perspective today's podcast is the first of our shining the light series yeah i like that title shining the light so that's what we're going to do hi everybody welcome to happy healthy you the podcast i'm connie bowman and today i'm with donna pinto She, in 2010, at the age of 44, was diagnosed with DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ or in situ, I'm going to ask her, I forget, which is considered a non-invasive stage 0 breast cancer or precancer. Donna has become an avid researcher and she has found on her own healthier alternatives to the extremely drastic and aggressive standard of care that our Western medical approach currently suggests. She's a certified nutritionist, she's an advocate and coach for preventive health and healing through non-toxic holistic means and healthy lifestyle practices. She is the writer of the blog DCIS411, and she is the co-creator of a great website with lots of good resources called DCIS Redefined. Donna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs>
1: thank you so much for having me, Connie.
0: <laughs> Since I had an experience that we will talk about it, I think is similar to yours uh, several years back, I have been Googling and Googling all kinds of different things. And as the years have gone by, I've seen so many more posts about people who've had these uh, pre-cancer, DCIS, microcalcifications, and they've had really drastic measures taken and I think the fear and the anxiety that is out there right now and the numbers that of people who are going through, of women especially, I mean, men can have it too, but women are just staggering. I wonder if you could tell us your story and how, how your journey with this kind of began.
1: Sure. Um, it pretty much began with a mammogram in 2009, August 2009. And they called me back for a second diagnostic mammogram, and I thought nothing of it. That led to a biopsy, a core needle biopsy, which then led to a diagnosis of something called atypical ductal hyperplasia, which they then, I then saw a surgeon. She wanted me to have another excision, a wide excision, to see if you know there was something more in there. Um, so that was a surgery in January of 2010, and that led to upstaging me to what's called DCIS, which I call it ductal carcinoma in situ. Um, oh, it's I, in situ.
0: I meant to ask you before we started. I was like, is that in situ or in C2?" That's how much I want to block this whole thing from my mind. So,
1: <laughs> Right. Well, nobody's ever heard of it. That's the thing. And so I had never heard of it with all the awareness campaigns and I, you know, donated money and I'd supported all these pink campaigns and friends of mine have had breast cancer and my grandmother had died of breast cancer at age 50. And so... I was, uh, going to get my mammogram because I was aware, you know, that early detection saves lives, or so I thought. And, um, when I got the, uh, actual diagnosis, I was told that I would need, I had two options. I would need a mastectomy, or I could have a partial mastectomy with seven weeks of daily radiation. And that was told to me after I was told this was a pre-cancer, non-invasive, and it's, you know, it's not lethal. Um, but, I would need this aggressive treatment. And I just couldn't wrap my brain around that. But I, you know, being a good patient, like I was, I you know, kind of took it like the dentist would tell you, you, have, you need a root canal, you go and do it. So what happened was I put out an email that night to everyone I knew that I had this good news and bad news. The good news was it was stage zero breast cancer. They caught it early. You know, thank goodness for mammograms. And um, this was my treatment course, that they were saying, this is my next step, I would need an MRI, and then I would have to uh, have make those decisions of whether a mastectomy or partial mastectomy and radiation. So I had a friend that uh, saw my email, uh, many, many people said, thank goodness for the early detection, that same feeling, but I had a friend who was a nutritionist and energy healer, which I did not know what that meant. <laughs> But um, came to find out, she kind of took me down another path and just said, no, 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 you know, put this off, you know, come and see me and put off your MRI. We're going to do um, a detox. We're going to clean up your diet. This is nothing to be a fear of. This is not cancer. She just boldly came out and said, you know, this is not cancer and your body can heal itself from the inside out and that if you give it the right environment, And you create an alkaline environment, which I had never heard of before, that cancer cannot grow in an alkaline environment, that it would only be able to grow in an acidic environment. So I thought I was pretty healthy. I was totally fit. I'd been running for years. I, you know, mostly ate salads. I didn't eat junk food. I looked like the picture of health. So it was quite a shock that I would get a kind of cancer diagnosis or the best kind of cancer diagnosis being stage zero. So I, everything that she said, my friend Adriana, it totally resonated with me. And I said, I'm going to do whatever she says. I'm going to put off the MRI and do what she says for a month. And sure enough, after a month, I had the MRI and they wanted me to have the MRI to see if there was anything more extensive or in the other breast. And what happened was there was nothing there. So I thought, I'm not going to go and have a surgery or cut off my breast or do all this radiation if there's nothing showing up. Like, hold on here. Yeah. And so that's where the investigation really started looking into what is DCIS and what's going on with this. And that's where I discovered uh, Dr. Laura Esserman from UCSF, who's leading kind of this panel and change in the naming even of the diagnosis to remove the word carcinoma because it's creating so much fear and anxiety and it's being overtreated. And what she said, what really stood out for me was that, you know, 95% of these are low grade and will never go on to progress or do anything. And that we, we really shouldn't be treating it at all. So that was quite a different treatment path and way of looking at it um, from someone who is a director of a breast cancer center at a major university. So I continued investigating and continued on my path of just, you know, clean eating and, and really my diet wasn't terrible before, but I didn't realize all these acidic forming foods like bread and cheese and coffee and alcohol and beer and sugar and it all kind of made sense to me once you eliminate all these acid-forming foods and you put in all the healing foods and the green foods and the you know, foods that have anti-cancer properties like garlic and ginger and turmeric. And you know, so I started making smoothies and I started juicing and Adriana led me through a, a month-long kind of slow, gentle detox of just eliminating those acid-forming foods and then we did a three-day liquid-only detox. And, you know, I was pretty convinced pretty easily. I was I was really um, uh, emboldened, you know, by the MRI being clear and to really kind of refuse the treatment that was being offered to me. And um, the other the other thing I wanted to mention was when I got the diagnosis, I, you know, I was very matter-of-factly told uh, I've been upstaged to this ductal carcinoma in situ, and it's stage zero breast cancer, and I would need to see a medical oncologist, a radiation oncologist, a a cancer care coordinator, a breast surgeon, and have an MRI. And she stapled five business cards to a a folder. And then she asked me if I would like a prescription for Xanax.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) And yeah, and I thought, you know, I, you know, was doing yoga and meditation, and I I didn't have stress. I mean, it's just, it just didn't make sense. And I'm not going to start taking uh, medications, um, you know, so I kind of refused that. But just the way that it was presented, I just felt there was something wrong about it. It was a gut feeling. And so that kind of led me down the path of, and then with my friend Adriana, I kind of, that felt right to me. It felt, you know, that felt like there was something I could do. I can be empowered to heal from within. And she was telling me from the inside And so the other thing that I had at the same time was a recurring infection from a blister on my toe, and nothing had healed. Anything the doctors gave me, antibiotics, topical things, for two years, and so that was going on at the same time with my body. And when I did this detox, this month long change of my diet, and uh, started taking a probiotic, uh, within a week it disappeared, and my skin cleared up, and it was just incredible the experience that I had of seeing how the body does heal itself as we all can see if we cut ourselves and we naturally just grow a scab and we know how to heal. So, and with a lot of coaching from Adriana, a lot of videos, a lot of redirecting my mind to the power of healing from within, rather than focusing on the fear and anxiety of this heavy duty diagnosis, So that led me to just investigate. And that's all Adriana said. You got to investigate. You got to start researching. And thank goodness for the internet because in the old days, we just had to listen to the doctors and we didn't have all this power of information like we do now. So that's why I created my blog is to share my journey and to share what I've learned along the way because I feel so blessed and I feel like I have to pay it forward for the rest of my life because I was literally saved from losing my breast or having seven weeks of radiation, which could have caused lots of other harms, then the doctors will downplay that there's any harm to it. And then the other thing that, that's really come to the forefront is the the overdiagnosis and over-treatment of this, a lot of that having to do with mammograms and the false claims that mammograms save lives and that early detection save lives. It's it's a great marketing campaign, but it's actually not true. So I'm kind of on a mission to share that information with women worldwide, which is wonderful that I could do for my blog and my website. And uh, it's been five years, pretty much exactly five years since all this started for me. And I'm thrilled that I have reached so many women because I have thousands and thousands of views on my blog and women contacting me all the time. That, that, to me, is a priority in my life, that I will pay it forward in helping other women for the rest of my life.
0: You, you do you, such you a do beautiful special. job on your website and your blog. There's so much great information there, and thank you for that. And I just want to say maybe we should talk a little bit about mammograms and what has happened over the last 10 or 15 years. Because when I first had my very first mammogram, uh, I guess it was around when I was 40, they were doing film and it was on film and you got your your thing back and mine was fine and then the next time or one of the next few times I came back I was a good girl I did what the doctor said I went every year or two or give or take and they started using digital film and so they could see a lot more and right. now they have 3D I haven't had one of those cuz I'm not sure if I'm going to have one anymore but let's talk a little bit about that i mean they can just see so much more so right um, and
1: that's part of the problem is that, that- what and what Dr. Estherman is saying is that we're we shouldn't be looking so closely because we're finding all these indolent lesions. And that's what she's trying to change the name to, indolent lesions of epithelial origin. Epithelial.
0: Epithelial. That. That's a good one. So <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so it's idle. So it's an indolent it's a something that may never harm you. The the problem is that they do not know what is going to happen when they see something and they find something and there is a need to treat and that's the standard protocol. And so what Dr. Esserman and, and other colleagues are coming out and saying is that we are finding too many non-essential, non-threatening, uh, non-important so-called precancers, Right. And we shouldn't be looking so hard and that there is, you know, a uh, a problem with over treatment and overdiagnosis because of the the mammograms becoming, you know, the screening becoming a, a forefront of the breast cancer industry as a means to eliminating breast cancer. And now what they've found is in all these years, the studies are showing that there's if that were the case, if they found all these breast cancers at an early stage, well there would be a decline in late stage or metastatic cancers that are causing death. And that has not changed. Right. In the last fifty years or thirty years. And so they're they're taking another look at this approach that this is really not working, and it's actually causing more harm because we're over treating all these precancers that may never ever do anything. Right. And that
0: And in the meantime, every day pe- women are getting diagnosed and they're not they don't know what to do. So I wanna right. encourage if, if anyone gets a diagnosis in the next before <laughs> before some of these changes are happening. Go to Donna's blog or website or both and get the information. You know, Donna, years ago, I went to my first energy healer too had never heard of it. And she told me, and I never forgot this. She said cancer can come and go in the body throughout a lifetime. And, and she's not a doctor. She was an energy healer and I'm not a doctor, but it stayed with me and it makes so much sense. She said it can come and go in a body throughout a lifetime and it pretty much depends on when you go to the doctor and have this test as it's kind of a crapshoot if you (laughs) if you go on a day and even christian northrup talks about how a tumor can be there one day and it can be gone the next i mean she's literally seen them disappear overnight so I thought that was an interesting way to reframe yeah. the idea. Well, that's true. And, yeah. and
1: that's what Adriana taught me is that we all have cancer cells and that our bodies are capable, if our immune system is working properly, that we know how to deal with those cancer cells or abnormal cells. So the most important thing is, is creating the environment that the cancer cells live in, that they don't initiate, progress, and grow, that they know our body knows how to work with them. So I can see how if you're, you know, giving, uh, your body all the wrong foods and you're, you have a susceptibility or a, there is a time where there's some abnormal cells, the most important thing is to be able to, you know, attack those cells from the inside out with the proper foods and supplements and. Right. Um, and it's also,
0: it's also a mind body spirit. Thing. I mean, we have to sort of be in alignment, I believe, in mind, body, and spirit. And I did an interview with Veronique Desaunier on the podcast a few okay. weeks back, and she wrote a book called Heal Breast Cancer Naturally. She's on, she's on your page if you've never heard of her. Um, I think she's down in Georgia. But yep. she talked about how she was same, same as us. I mean, a runner doing yoga, just really, and had a decent diet, but she said she hadn't quite... Um, gone through and done an emotional inventory and sort of cleaned out the the crap in her emotional closet. And so once she did that, I mean, now she's on the path of health and wellness. And she's also, you know, on the same nutritional uh path as you. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what inspired me to get in touch with you. A couple of days ago, I had a conversation with a friend and it shocked me. I mean, she's a a psychotherapist she is a hypnotherapist she she's got it all together and she had a similar experience to yours and the fear i mean of all people the fear was so affecting her life and she when she talked to me about it i felt like i i should put her on my couch but it, uh-huh. it was so i mean if she could be anxious and afraid then you know the rest of us are feeling the same thing and i think that's part of what is so beautiful about what you're doing, because it's allowing us to reframe our brains and not let that fear, um, because that also affects our health. I mean, that fear and anxiety. So how, what, if, what have been some good tools for you to sort of reframe your thinking around this subject?
1: I think that is, you just hit the nail on the head. That is the biggest factor in this is that fear that, you, that overwhelms and consumes you. When you get a diagnosis with the word cancer even if it's stage zero you hear carcinoma and you you just go into another world i mean all of us have you know been affected by cancer whether we've lost a loved one or a friend and um it just i went through it so i know what that feels like and what my friend adriana coached me through was eliminating that fear because that fear and the stress hormones going through your body can actually build and create and grow cancer it's like the opposite of what we really need and i had had a practice of yoga for probably about nine years at that point with a with an amazing woman who's now 82 she's still teaching yoga oh sweet she was the first person in san diego to with her husband to bring yoga to san diego and it's the true hatha yoga and so i had been studying with her as well a very classic spiritual book called I Am That. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a very high level of spiritual understanding and had gone through a lot of um, uh, emotional and clearing and, you know, what I thought, you know, I'd had a lot of stress in my life, a lot of dysfunction in my family. And that's always challenging. We're all going to have stress and dysfunction from one place or another. But it's really how you manage it and handle it. So I've been running for years. Um, I listen to music. And these are the things and the tools that I feel are really important that no doctor really ever steers you in that direction. They are just they just want to give you a, a Xanax, you know, a pill, <laughs> yeah. which is only going to create more toxicity and acidi- acidity in your body. So I had a lot of tools at my fingertips that I knew that I needed to just kind of go towards. And the, the breathing and... Also when you're going through doctor's appointments and MRIs, I mean, it's super, super stressful. It's just, I mean, I was like, I'm not, I'm a pretty peaceful person, but I was really like breaking down and screaming at my kids. And I went through a traumatic period initially. So I know that every single person out there goes through it because I had all the tools, but I still like your friend also went through it. But I I continued to really immerse myself in, all those things, the videos and the positive thinking and the guided imagery and meditation and yoga and really looking at anything like Dr. V who you had interviewed and and people that had done alternatives and videos on epigenetics with Dr. Bruce Lipton and people like Louise Hay who had cured her cancer from, you know, and talked about healing the body. So just continue to just you know, constantly Im- immerse myself in those kinds of uh, empowering modalities. Mm-hmm. That and and slowly the the fear and the anxiety dissipated, and then I became completely empowered. I have no fear anymore of cancer, none, and I will never do a mammogram again. I don't believe that's the path for me. Um, I'm very boldly stating why on my website and. I just feel like, you know, we can really heal ourselves of anything. Um, I think to to tell someone they have a terminal cancer or terminal illness is the worst thing you could do. Prior to to my diagnosis, I had my best friend from college had uh, cervical cancer and I watched her go through a horrible experience, you know, doing all the conventional treatments. So that probably also had an effect on me. So, I think the, the the fear factor and the overwhelm is so enormous, even and the hysteria that you know, I have that word on my blog, which i've had some women don't like that word, but it's true that one um, it was quoted from one of the doctors coming out saying there's a hysteria around breast cancer that is causing more women to actually want to have more treatment and double mastectomies and right right it's it's a little um you know the the statistics are like it's gone from like five to thirty percent um, in the last ten years. I mean, it's just it's become an epidemic. I think it's too casual the way people are amputating body parts. And and I was even told by the by my gynecologist, well, I might want to get the BRCA gene test because I might then want to remove my ovaries. <laughs> so this this is like these these are the thoughts that you know the doctors really need to be educated in helping women to not go into the fear and to not be overwhelmed and to give them the truth and give them integrative strategies. That's why I created my second website, which is reframing the name DCIS to mean Dilemmas, Choices and Integrative Solutions, because there is so much in the integrative health world that women can do and men can do to truly power themselves, mind, body and spirit. So it has to be all three. Yeah. So I'm really glad yeah. you brought that up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when we talk about the, the current state of the medical system, I mean, I in no way feel that it's the personal fault of doctors and nurses. And I, I have so much respect for people who go into the field because it's tough right now. And we do, we've made so many great advances. And I think we're just at a place where we really need to shine the light, as I said, on this this subject? Because as you write on your website, I think the numbers are up to like 60,000 new diagnoses. Am I right, Donna?
1: That's according to the American Cancer Society and the National Institute, uh, the National Cancer Institute. Yeah. Uh, 60,000 women in the US alone are diagnosed with DCIS.
0: That's crazy. And so that's so many women that are just faced with this Hysteria, and for me, the hysteria is absolutely the perfect term. I feel like it's it's not even a fear of death because death is peaceful. It's a fear of getting stuck in a medical system that uh, creates more suffering than than it does healing. So yeah, that's- and then it
1: it also creates an enormous amount of stress, financial stress, because you're going to all these medical doctors and you're getting all these bills. I hadn't been to a doctor other than a gynecologist, you know, annually, ever. I never got a cold, you know. So I did not have any experience with the whole medical system and and the, the financial aspect. And then when you do choose to eat organic and go to a naturopathic doctor and all these things that are truly healing, none of that is covered by insurance, mm. nothing. Yeah. Um, so ridiculous. that's also a big problem, which I would like to see more integrative, Medicine and treatments being covered by insurance, but I'm not holding my breath. I think that it's an investment in your health and it's worth for me to not have the pesticides and the toxins and it makes absolute sense. And you know, that's, I've transformed our kitchen and our refrigerator and pantry since the diagnosis. And I feel very, very blessed that. You know that's where i choose to spend my money i'm not a big shopper i don't i don't need to have jewelry i just i want health is number one priority for myself and my family and then helping other people find this information easily
0: and you're doing such a beautiful job it's great okay so mammograms i kind of feel the way you do i mean i really wouldn't be upset if I never had another one. I'll tell you what, my mother is 77, she's never had a mammogram. I'd like to see a study of women who have never had a mammogram and, you know, the last oncologist I saw when I had the uh, calcifications looked at, she said, you know, they've done they've looked at the bodies in autopsy of older women who have died, and they've all had calcification. So it's right. like a normal part of the aging process. So that's another thing they don't really tell you is that, and and I think we should be looking more at that. You know, maybe that's a natural natural part of the aging process that is not necessarily um, yeah. an illness. So
1: well, yeah, Dr. Northrop talks about that also that uh, in the studies, forty thousand, forty percent, forty percent of women, have uh, calcifications and DCIS when they die in car accidents. So there are studies out there on it, and there's a wonderful book called "Overdiagnosed: Making People Sick with Too Much Healthcare" or something like that by Dr. Welch. And I, you know, he he really comes out talking about that. 1.3 million women have been overtreated because of mammograms, and that's huge numbers.
0: So what do we do? Yeah. What is? What are the alternatives to mammograms?
1: So,, um, they are now having this 3D tomosynthesis mammogram, which I would caution people about because that actually has more radiation. And I know they're just so good at marketing these <laughs> wonderful devices. But I, what I have, in my studies, I have come to the conclusion, and this is what I do is an annual MRI. And I was told by my surgeon that I would never get it covered by insurance if I didn't also have a mammogram. And I have proven her wrong, and I'm happy to share that with other people, that I have had an MRI for the last three years, which has been clear. And I did have a close margin, which they still recommend. After three surgeries, they wanted me to still have a mastectomy. Oh, my gosh. For, for at least three weeks of a very intensive course of radiation. I didn't have to have the seven weeks. Now they're down to negotiating to the three weeks would be okay. Crazy. So I said goodbye to those doctors, and I haven't seen them since, and... I did see Dr. Esterman up at UCSF three years ago, and she said, yeah, you probably could have been okay if you never had that first mammogram and listened to the U.S. task force that came out with the recommendations that women should not start mammograms until 50 and then only every other year. So she kind of made it seem like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have even found this. And she kind of insinuated to me that she would have not done surgery on me, and I had gone through three. So it definitely leaves you feeling like, yes, you, um, this is being overtreated. If I were to do mammograms continuously, like they wanted me to, to do a surveillance every six months by this age right now, I'm almost 50. I would have had, I calculated I would have had 19. Mm. And you know, there are studies saying that it's cumulative, the radiation harms. And I just believe I'm I'm not going to subject myself to that because I don't want to turn up things that are indolent and that, you know, I have to worry about and I won't be able to sleep at night. So what I want to look for is anything that is invasive or of a high grade DCIS nature, which are more likely, those are the 5% that are more likely to turn invasive. So the tool that in my studies that that is shown to be the very best sensitivity and the least amount of false positives and false negatives is this special dedicated breast MRI. The one that I have found to, to be um, of the highest quality is the Aurora Rodeo MRI, which I talk about on my blog and on my website. But um, in, in recent times, I've been told that a dedi- any dedicated breast MRI would be just as good and um, that's what I've been doing. And I have done thermograms in the past as well, which at the time did not show the DCIS, which I had removed. So, you know, there might be value in it, um, but I'm not sure that it picks up anything.
0: And thermography is basically infrared, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's it shows definitely- up any additional blood flow, right? Is, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So
1: and that's the claim that a tumor would have blood flow because they need a blood supply and, but DCIS doesn't. So it's, you know, controversial. Um, I think there's value in it. When I had the thermogram, it gave me peace of mind that there wasn't anything invasive because it wasn't picking up anything. So then, then again, it told me, well, this DCIS that's in there probably isn't anything anyway. You know, if it's not having a blood supply and it's not cancer. I'm of the nature that it is not cancer. There are many women on message boards and and support groups that are fighting to say, "Yes, this is cancer. Do you think I cut off my breast because I didn't have cancer?"
0: Well, how horrible is that to think that you did that? I mean, yeah. I I understand the the defensiveness. I I don't know, something's got to change and I just salute you for coming out to Shine the light on this. Can you give us any hope? What kind of changes have happened? Have you seen since two thousand ten? and what do you what do you look for maybe this year? We have to start demanding
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. and i I just had a visit with a, an integrative medicine doctor who uh, has done a lot of research and in breast cancer. And so I think that the integrative field of medicine is becoming more and more popular and naturopathic doctors. And supposedly there's a huge percentage of people, more than 50% that go to alternative or complementary or integrative doctors. And a lot of them don't even tell their doctors, but it, there is a demand for it in the public and it makes sense and it will be growing and growing and growing. And I hope to see that even more so. I have a vision of a nonprofit to give out integrative healthcare, just like they give out free mammograms. I'd like to see giving out free organic food and naturopathic consultations and acupuncture and massage and yoga classes and things that really are helpful. So I feel very hopeful. I know that we're going in that direction and with the doctors and and some of the medical community who are boldly coming out and and really um, trying to make this change. It may not happen for years as things go slowly in the medical community, but individually we can we can all do a lot more and learn a lot more from each other. And that's just what's happening. There is another test called the Oncotype test that um, can show, uh, look at the genes specifically of, a, of something that's been biopsied or removed from the breast, and it can show the likelihood of it becoming invasive or recurring. So I would advise anyone diagnosed with DCIS to ask for that because doctors aren't always just going to offer it. And it is an expensive test, but a lot of insurance will cover it. They had a patient assistance program and they paid 100% of it for me a couple years ago. The other thing is a second opinion. That is probably the most important thing. And I'm glad that i and mentioning this, um, there's a doctor, it's Dr. Michael Laios. It's with a G, but it's silent. Okay. L A G I O S. He is a 30 year expert on DCI- DCIS and breast cancer, and he offers a second opinion consultation. You fill out the, the form on his website, he will, he will order the slides from your hospital. And sometimes insurance covers part of it. But I think it's the best money ever spent is getting that unbiased second opinion. And what happened with when I had my second opinion with him is he downgraded the DCIS diagnosis from intermediate grade to low grade. So that, again, gave me peace of mind that I could take more time and be less aggressive. And had he changed it to high grade and, you know, my path might have been different. Right. I might have been more um fearful and maybe taking more drastic measures. I don't know. We, nobody knows. But that second opinion is invaluable.
0: Good. That's really great advice. So for more information about you, give us your sites, your blog and your site.
1: My blog is dcis411.com and the website is dcisredefined.org. And then I also have a Facebook group for any Facebook people out there it's called Donna's Choice, Global Healing from the Inside Out. And you can just request to join if you're interested. And that's where I just share all kinds of health information, not necessarily on DCIS and breast cancer, but just health and wellness.
0: That is so awesome. Thank you so much, Donna. I am I feel I have more peace of mind after talking to you. <laughs> Yay. Well that's and, great. Yeah, and I hope we can keep in touch and, and I will definitely be following your work and trying to keep up to date and if there's anything anything you feel that we could be doing to speak out on this issue to reframe this so that we can stop this sort of uh hysteria yeah (laughs) um yeah just let me know and uh, we'll we'll do another podcast or do whatever we can do so thank you so much and happy new year thank you so much happy healthy new year happy healthy new year (laughs) awesome Thanks for listening to Happy Help Me You, the podcast. I'd love it if you would check out my new book, Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up, now available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. It's my story of getting back to happy after the loss of my daughter, and the companion journal, Gratitude, Grace, and God Things, is just one of the ways that helped me. The book and journal are both available on Amazon, and the audiobook is at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. For more information, go to backtohappybook.com.